Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. May we, your children, feel with Christ's compassion an earth disordered, hungry and in pain, then at your calling, find the will to fashion new ways where freedom, truth, and justice reign. Father in heaven, we plead with you this morning to do that work in us, in our hearts. Father, this week and next, would you do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine for the service of those in need and for the glory of your great name. Amen. Well, please do take a seat. Last week, we began this this mini-series by asking ourselves uh, if we have hearts that burn with justice for those who are hurting, for the vulnerable in our society, for those who don't yet know the Lord Jesus as Saviour and Lord. We were challenged by Micah chapter 6 and many other passages that speak of God's heart of justice to examine our own hearts. We reminded ourselves that God is a God of perfect justice, that we are unjust people, but that God in his grace can make us just declare us to be in the right with him just as if we'd never sinned that's what God has done for each one of us who have trusted in the Lord Jesus it's done accepted finished no price to pay but now Micah wants us to hear that that doesn't let us off the hook as it were Jesus hasn't done all of that so that we can go and live however we want no Jesus saves us as his people so that we can live radically different lives. Countercultural, sacrificial, joy filled lives of service. Lives that long to become more like Jesus. Lives that long to share his good news. Lives that love to show mercy. And so Micah is giving us in this verse a picture of the person who has been saved by God and is being transformed by him. Is the picture in Micah 6 verse 8. This is on page 943 as Mary read it. It would be great if you could uh, have that open uh, and follow with me uh, in these words. Micah 6 verse 8, page 943. He has shown you, O people, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This morning we're going to just dig into two of those phrases in more detail to discover something of what it means to, to walk humbly with our God and to love mercy. We're going to see what those things mean and also how to cultivate them more in our lives. And if we, we get those two phrases, those two expressions, we're going to be well set up for next week when we think about acting justly as a church family and in all of our individual responses. 
So that's where we're going this morning. If we want our hearts to burn with love for those who are hurting, then we've got to learn how to walk humbly with our God, how to love mercy. So here we go with that verse. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Notice how he begins. He has shown you, O people, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. Micah reminds the people then and us now that God has shown us what is good. God is saying to his people through his prophet Micah that he has already shown his people what is good. Remember, the people were thinking, verses 6 and 7, that they needed to offer God lots of sacrifices to make him pleased with them. And so God reminded them, no, no, I've already rescued you. I've already accepted you as my people. That doesn't mean that God expects his people just to sit back, kick back, and take life easy. No, God calls us as his people to do his will. And he has told us what his will is for us. He has shown us what is good in his word, the Bible. For the people in Micah's day, that meant the whole Old Testament to that point. For the people in ours, for us, it means the whole Bible. And he has shown us in his word, the Bible, what is good. That means that there there are moral norms, good and bad. We don't get to make up morality for ourselves. Actually, that's really good news. The God of the universe who loves his people perfectly, who knows what is good, what is best for us, he sets the agenda. God himself gets to define what is right and wrong. Wonderfully, we've not been left in the dark. Actually, if that piques your interest, if you want to find out more about this God in the Bible, then there's a new group that's just started. It's a group that started up for those who would like to explore more about what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus. That would be a great group to join if you've got questions about what it means to follow Jesus, or, or you are following Jesus, but, but you struggle with know, to knowing where to start in reading the Bible. Natasha Burt and Wendy Riches are leading that group. Natasha, could you just give us a wave? Natasha's over here, just on this side, and uh, Natasha would be really happy to talk to anyone after the service uh, about that group. So Mike is saying, verse 8, he has shown you, O people, what is good. And then God gives his people this beautiful summary of what is good, of his will, of what he requires of his people. He called them, in Micah's day, he calls us today, through his prophet, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I'm convinced that Micah wants us to see the, as it were, the inner spiritual logic of those verses. Because spiritually speaking, those words come in the other order. God requires his people to be those who walk humbly before him. And a clear expression of the person who walks humbly is that they love mercy. And those who love mercy, well, they're the people who devote themselves to acting justly. So that's the order we're going to look at them in this week and next. I'm sorry if it plays with us with Bible studies and things like that, but but this is the best order to see the spiritual logic of this passage. So first then, walk humbly with our God. Now, Now, what does that mean? Well, remember, Micah is saying that that God has shown his people what is good. In other words, he expected them to remember the words that God had given them in the past. He expected them to look back to passages like Deuteronomy 10 that we had read. 
So, so listen with me, verses 10, uh, 12 and 13 of Deuteronomy 10. But keep our eyes on Micah 6, 8 and see the similarities. Deuteronomy 10. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Do you spot the similarities? Micah says, what does the Lord require of you? To walk humbly. And Deuteronomy 10 tells us more of what that means. To fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him. Deuteronomy 10 is helping us to see that walking humbly before God is like another way of saying walk in obedience to God's words. Dig with me even further. Walking humbly with your God means acknowledging that it's God who we're walking with. We are living our lives, if we're followers of Jesus, in God's presence. He is actually near to us. So near that he is living in us by his Holy Spirit. He's real. He's our God. And he's really present with us. And it makes a big difference to how you walk, whether you're aware of your surroundings. We were walking in central London earlier last week, and I became aware of a woman who kept sort of almost bumping into me, you know, sort of swerving in my direction. And so I looked left, and I noticed she was, she was absolutely engrossed in a book, walking down the pavement in central London, book in hand. It's high risk, isn't it? It's hard to walk well if you're not aware of your surroundings. And God is saying to us, your surroundings are me. Walk humbly with me. In other words, every part of our lives to be lived with an awareness that God is with us. And uh, there's a wonderful implication of that. Here are the words of a 19th century preacher just, just teasing out the implication of walking with God. He says, walking with God means with be- being with God always. Being with God in common things. Being with God on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday as well as on the Sabbath. Being with him in the shop. With him in the kitchen. With him in the field. Feeling his presence in buying and selling, in weighing and measuring, in plowing and reaping. Doing as unto the Lord all the acts of life. So as you go about your Monday to Saturday life, Do you do so with an awareness that you are in God's presence? Do you know the comfort in all the different circumstances of life that he is with you, near to you, wherever you go, Monday to Saturday? He is with you and me as we get up on a Monday morning. You know, that is good news for me. I find Monday morning's hard. Gearing up again into a new week. You're a bit tired and you've got to gear up and and what helps me is knowing that I am getting going in a week in the presence of my living God so we can actually use our Monday mornings to to thank God that he is with us he will be with us in every part of our weeks and because he's with us if we're followers of Jesus because we're seeking to live for him then every part of our lives every part of our week has significance in the eyes of God. That's why Monday mornings 
with that kind of perspective can be transformed from, from moments of weariness into times of thanksgiving. That's why a book called Thank God It's Monday has been a huge help to lots of Christians over the years. It's still available. I would really recommend getting hold of a copy of that book as we think through our Monday to Saturday lives. So Micah is saying that as we walk with God, as we walk with this awareness that he's present with us, well, that that leads to humility. Not to walking proudly. No, walking humbly. And so how do we do that? How do we go about walking humbly? Well, Well, we've just seen one way, acknowledging God's presence with us at all times. Here's another. It's following the example of what Isaiah is told by God. This is Isaiah chapter 66, verse 3. God says to him, This is the one, the person to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. One sure way to live in humility before God is to tremble at his word. That's not a a fearful trembling for the Christian. It's a a trembling of respect and reverence. Listen again to what Moses said in Deuteronomy 10. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him? See, we can't walk in obedience to God, observe the commandments that he's given us for our good, unless we approach God and his word with a right humility, with, with an attitude of humility, a godly trembling reverence in the presence of God and his word. And I wonder, is that how you and I approach God's word? You remember we began this year as a church family by looking at this verse, our verse for the year. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. And if we want that to be true of us, we, we need to ask, what kind of person trembles at his word? What does that look like? It, well, almost by definition, it, it can't look like pride before God. It, it can't describe us if we are hearing God's words and saying, like the people in the Old Testament, who is the Lord that I should obey him? It can't describe us if we feel we know better than God's words. No, the person who trembles at God's word is the person who says things like this to God. God, I know that your words are true. I know that your words are for my good. So please help me to love your words, to cherish your words, to trust and obey your words. So walk humbly with your God, says Micah. And here's the thing. Walking humbly with God actually makes a massive difference how we think about and how we treat others. If we learn to walk humbly with God, it will help us to love others. It will help us to love mercy, as Micah puts it. To love mercy. We've we've been thinking about that already in our service. And and those words, they can be translated in in different ways. One way is is to love kindness. Kindness. Or or to be people of faithful love. And that word kindness is the Hebrew word hesed. It it, kind of means love without qualifications. Love without limits. 
Love that is stubborn and unceasing. The kind of love that says to people, I refuse to give up on you. Even if everyone else around me tells me to, I refuse to give up on you. That's the kind of love Micah is speaking about. And we remember that this is the kind of love that flows from God's heart. God's heart for those who are hurting. And our calling as followers of Jesus is to follow after God's heart. See, as we start to walk humbly with God, we also begin to love mercy. And that is why uh, Moses spoke those words to the people again. Deuteronomy chapter 10, a little later, God, uh, God says through Moses that God is a God who defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. When it says foreigners, think refugees. And this is God's heart for refugees. God loves the refugees living among us. He loves them. Is that your heart toward refugees? Is that my heart? I'm fully aware that they're getting policy right in this area with so many refugees crises that the world has seen in recent years. That is really hard. And it may be that there are among us one or two people who God is calling into politics to help with the policy making. Those tricky areas of policy making. It may be that that is one or two of us. But here is definitely God's word, very clearly to all of us who are his followers. It's to follow his heart, to love the refugees amongst us. And why? Because we ourselves were foreigners, Deuteronomy 10 says, not in Egypt, but in slavery to sin. And yet wonderfully Jesus has rescued us from it. You know, it's a very beautiful thing. It's one of the reasons that Claire and I are loving being with you as a church family, that there are just so many of us who who God has given in this church family a real heart for those who are hurting. Great many people here who, who just so evidently love mercy. People who have been so captured by the heart of who God is that, that they have hearts that burn for the needy. Hearts that have led them to step out in costly acts of service. We have people who week by week teach English to refugees. Those who help run a day centre over at St Peter's for older people. Those with a massive heart for those with additional needs. Others who are helping refugees as they settle in the area who are sharing the good news of Christ with them. People who are serving families who are struggling. That is just a few of the examples of how God's people are being inspired by his spirit to serve. And, and we could list a whole bunch of other things, and I'm not saying them to, to make us proud. Now remember, we're walking humbly before our God. I'm not saying, look at what we're doing at Emmanuel. Aren't we great? No, we're walking humbly with God. I'm just saying that to encourage us. To encourage us by, by what God is doing in our hearts and to challenge us from God's word as well. To, to start to walk humbly with God and to love mercy more and more. Because when we do, that's the kind of fruit that results. 
That's the kind of life that results from walking humbly before God, from loving mercy. And so if you want to be, if I want to be the kind of person who who lives this way, then one great thing that's been an encouragement to me is starting to get to know some of those in our church family who God's laid a particular heart on for this ministry. If you don't know any of those ministries and want to be introduced to people, come and say say that so, so that we can link you up with those who are involved in these kind of ministries so that all of our hearts can grow. We're going to meet one person briefly uh, now, Sally. Uh, Sally spends her weeks with the vulnerable. And so I've invited Sally to come up and share with us something of her heart and the work she's involved with. Sally, tell us, just tell us what ministries you're involved with, first of all. Um, I think the church title, Ministry to the Vulnerable, which um, covers quite a wide variety. Um, my particular areas are, are, are the homeless and um, special needs groups. So, um, yeah. And tell us, I mean, Monday mornings are hard for me. Like, what gets you up on a, of a morning? What, what motivates you each week to keep going? Well, Jesus gave us two commands, to love God and to love our neighbours. Um, as Peter said at the beginning of the service, God loves everybody. Um, and he partic- Jesus showed particular um, interest in helping the vulnerable, the, the marginalised um, on the edge of society, I think. So, and one of the things he told us to do was feed the hungry. So, that's one of the things I feel more able to do because I'm not very good at standing up the front and talking. <laughs> well, you're doing it very well now, Sally. Thank you. Uh, to help, help us encourage you. What, what are there a couple of ways or one way that we can sort of get involved in your ministry? Help support that. Um, yeah, over the winter, as um, many of you probably know, many of you were helping with, with sandwiches for, for Nightwatch, which is the organisation that does um, the soup run in Croydon. Uh, we um, give food every night of the year, um, and the numbers are going up with, with the situation as it is at the moment. Um, people are finding it more difficult to pay the bills, including food and so um, making sandwiches for Nightwatch would be useful. Um, the, the vulnerable groups, um, yes, we'd, we'd quite like somebody maybe to help with cooking the meal for the um, lighthouse on a Thursday when we meet, or even helping maybe have a Sunday group for special needs, which would be um, meeting people where they're at. Thank you, Sally. So, uh, those things Sally mentioned, there'll be an opportunity to respond next week, but also if you feel God laying that on your heart this week, today, come and talk to Sally. Um, the group that Sally mentioned is something that's being thought about at the moment. We need enough people to make that a group that would be sustainable, so come and chat to me or to Sally if you'd be interested in being involved on a Sunday group for those with additional needs, meeting during the service, uh, starting together with us and then going out. Uh, but come and chat to Sally or I after the service. Sally, thank you so much. You see how God has laid that on Sally's heart and how he can lay it on all of our hearts to be people who, who walk humbly with him and who love mercy. And uh, inspired by that, motivated by that, Sally is a person who does justice. 
and, and we can all be like that. It's my prayer as we um, come into the last week, next week of this little series, that, that we would all be inspired by one another to grow more like that. We're drawing to a close of this morning's sermon, but as we do, I just want to say to us, encourage us, and maybe for us to hear the challenge that, that the needs around us are really profound. It's just doing a bit of research this week, just to try and get a glimpse into the, these needs. So this is Croydon Borough that we're talking about, and over 10,000 people live in Croydon Borough in areas that are ranked amongst the most deprived nationally. The unemployment rate here is 7%, much higher than the national average. There are over 2,000 households who live in temporary accommodation. There are over 50,000 adults who have mental health problems. There are over 10,000 older people facing the pain of loneliness on their own for most of the week. Every year, about 1,000 children are born into poverty in Croydon. And so to return to last week's question, do do our hearts burn with love when we hear that? Do our hearts go out in mercy? Will we give ourselves wholeheartedly to loving service for our community? Will we give ourselves to this kind of love, hesed love, love without qualifications, love without limits, love that is stubborn, and unceasing love that says to our community we won't give up on you Emmanuel Church won't give up on you even if others will we won't give up on you next week we're going to think very practically about some of the ways that we might do that but first we're just going to pray words of Psalm 19 verse 14 which our final song in a moment will be based on The psalmist writes, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So Lord, we pray that. We pray that the words of our mouths, the meditations of all our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.